Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle. I'm here with the one, the only, Casey Delacqua. Love your work, Casey. Have always loved your work. I've known you for now many, many years from the, the Bonds days um, right through to the Vegemite days. So would you believe our first question on the coaching podcast is the Vegemite question? You either love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take? Oh, of course. I strongly love it. <laughs> it's definitely a staple in our house um, with my three children. We all have Vegemite. Um, so I used to travel with Vegemite. Uh, so definitely strongly love it. Because you love Vegemite, you have to start with your best coaching moment and what might be some of the lessons. Yeah, I think my best coaching moment, um, I, I kind of refer to this one a lot. It's um, a, a really respected coach in Australia, Shannon Nettle, who we fondly know as Stinger. Um, when I first started with him, I was, you know, in a, in a bit of a place where I was trying to still find my feet. I had been top 100, but I was, you know, really trying to push my way and establish myself as a top 100 player. And the first question he asked me when we first teamed up was, um, what do you want to be remembered for as a player? And it really struck a chord with me because I, it really gave me uh, my why and my purpose. I know we talk about that a lot, but it really made me, and my, my answer was not around winning Grand Slams and that. It was about being remembered for uh, a really good competitor, leaving it all out in the court. And so from that day on, it kind of set the tone on how I went out and played my matches. So I think that was my best coaching moment in a sense of him being the person that for me was like, yep, you're the you're the guy for me that's going to really make me um, be the player that I know when I finish my career that I can really tick those boxes that I've become. So I, I often do that now. I don't I don't do a lot of coaching, but when I do get on the court and mentor players or get on, I try and ask them in a roundabout way the same question because I think it really um, instills in them what they want to do every time they step out on the court. The connection to the why. Thank you, Stinger. Maybe I'll have to get him on the podcast. Oh, he <laughs> would be, that would be fun. The legacy question. I love it. Um, yeah. So and what about on the flip side? Can you think of a coaching moment that didn't go so well and what might be some of the lessons? Yeah, I think um, as a young female athlete coming through, I think a lot of my, I guess, probably not so memorable experiences were just having those conversations around body image and around how I felt when I walked out in the core. And I think it's a really, um, for, for now, for both genders, but I think as a young female coming through, being really um, able to articulate what you, how you want to talk, have those conversations with a young female athlete because it really um, affected me in, a, in not a great way into a point where there was periods where I was really down and wanted to give away the sport and my career could have gone in different directions. So I think um, having that experience as a player now, knowing how delicate sometimes those conversations can be, but also wanting to get the best out of your athlete and how maybe you could be, how you could do that better. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And language is so one of my all-time favourite topics to talk about, inclusive and safe language. Um, so thank you for bringing that to all the coaches' awareness. The next question is called the sliding doors question. Yeah, sure. I think for me um, it was when it was in two, early 2009 I had just um, made my way in the top 100 and I had played the Beijing Olympics and I I really felt like I was kind of on my way, but I also felt like it was just I was still battling and I actually had a shoulder reconstruction in February of 2009 and that 
was my moment where my life changed, um, my career changed. I packed my bags up. I moved to Sydney. Um, I rented a car from Melbourne after my surgery and drove to Sydney, um, stopped along the way at a, you know, a couple of, you know, in Australia, just those countries um, along the way at a few barns and had some breakfast and then got to Sydney and I engaged Giselle and Nathan Martin because in my mind I knew I needed to get fitter. Um, I'd had people my whole career tell me, oh, you're such a good ball striker. Gosh, you're a great lefty. You've got so much skill. But there was always this, um, I guess, bubble around me around my fitness. So I just, I made a, a really strong decision to move to Sydney to invest my own money. It wasn't, you know, cheap, but I got Giselle and Nathan. They invited me into their home. I lived with them. I trained with them. I ate with them. They taught me how to have a great diet. And um, so, yeah, I think that was my moment where I instinctively just made a decision off my own back to say, this is what I need to do. So that was probably the moment for me. And then as I came back, I, I was on my way and really for the next 10, 15 years established myself and was a different Casey. Oh, love, love that story. Congrats. Another, you just reminded me, another two people I need to get on the podcast. So yes. <laughs> pay, pay forward, absolutely. Uh, the next question is our holy grail question of coaching. In one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? I have done my coaching philosophy and I've also done um, a bit. It's, it's changed, I think, even since I've done it, which is only 18 months ago. But I think for me what makes a, a great coach is someone is definitely um, a communicator, someone that you can engage and you, ha you have like this mutual respect with. I feel like for asking the, the athlete to also be engaged in conversation is really important. This is probably already more than a hundred words. But <laughs> communicator, communicator, making, um, making sure that's collaborative. Yep. So you've still got yeah. two qualities left if you want. Yeah. Um, definitely um, respect, and I believe the respect is when you're when you've got a coach or someone that's in it and in it with you. When I mean that, doing like the hard yards with you, um, I feel like it's better than being a dictator in a sense of saying, do this, do that. I've always had coaches that have been on court with me, done heel sprints with me, and I think that also um, gains respect. Um, and then also just in terms of the bigger picture, making it fun, making making you see the bigger picture in terms of what you want to get from the game and life. And I think I do I do believe that a coach is not just a, a coach. They are a teacher in in different ways for that for the athlete as well. Yeah teacher vision yeah that was hard to yeah. get down to three words wasn't it no yeah, sorry <laughs> are you happy with communicator respect and fun yeah perfect right. i like fun. let's always throw that in there all yeah. right beautiful <laughs> uh and finally our last question is where we ask you to ask us a question um i really want to know more about the women's game um i'm obviously passionate i want to I would love to get some insights in terms of the next generation of female tennis playing coming through and how the coaches are going out on court and perhaps educating the players on the, the whole facet of tennis in terms of um, we're seeing a lot of players like Anjabur, Ashbadi, Muhava. There's a bunch of girls now that are all craft players, which is like everyone, I think, loves to see that type of tennis. And I think we saw women's the women's game go from being this big hitting game and we still have those players Sabalenka and there's a bunch of them but I'm just interested to see what coaches are doing at the 
the, the early stages to get girls around the net, get them comfortable around the net, get them moving forward, those types things so what type of things are coaches doing in that sense oh fabulous and if i may immediately we could discuss it immediately the podcast on on that note um yeah. i was actually interviewed today for an article about the four women in the semi-finals and yeah. i was we were talking about game styles and exactly what you just said so i was asked specifically about um, what am I seeing in the developmental years? And, and as you know, I was doing, I was had a huge role in tennis back at home in Australia um, as a coach facilitator for 10 years. And our philosophy, I've, I think I've, you know, been coaching so long, I've sort of seen, seen the development over the years where I really do think that we are encouraging our young juniors to problem solve, especially the orange court is is where we develop those all-court skills, those net skills. Plus we've got, you know, the the respect of our generations that have come before us to develop great hands, et cetera. The, the four game styles, I mean, we've got the two really aggressive baseliners and then we've got, you know, certainly Kerb is an aggressive all-court as well. Um, what, what do you think uh, about the development of of juniors as it relates to what we're seeing now um, in the women's game? Because I think it's so exciting to watch and the contrast of the styles. So I'm just flipping that back on you. Yeah, look, I um, I think the one thing that when you were just hearing you talk as well is I think hearing, I, I think loves, I love seeing our younger players be competitive as well. So definitely um, trying to get them to be super competitive because when you see a lot of the girls now, like Ash Barty played so much tennis growing up. She's a great competitor. Um, Kerba is probably one of the best competitors going around and Sabalenka and um, Pliskova. Mm-hmm is ebbs and flows in terms of that what we're doing in terms of development to add to add in those all core elements but also the competitiveness side to that Mm. is definitely going to encourage them to be more confident in match situations just the development of the all court skills but the development of that competitive spirit as well is something i think i've seen a change in that as well over the years and so the the matchups um you know in the final obviously it's going to be pretty exciting because we are going to see an aggressive baseliner come through and more of an all-court player uh what's your what's your pick yeah it's interesting isn't it like we've got two really contrasting semi-finals so I think I I don't want to um say the curve I always jinx myself every time I say something's gonna be like (laughs) um so I think the Ash and the Kerber match I'm so excited for this match because I believe that both of these players, um, Kerber is just looking like vintage Kerber. Yeah. She's looking great. Ash is um, got better and better as the tournament has gone on. So yeah. I'm really excited for that match to see, um, you know, who comes out on top. But I'm, I'm predicting a, a fantastic match there. But yeah. on the other side, it is. It's about big hitting, big serving. I think if Sabalenka can read Pliskova's serve well and return well, I think Sabalenka, I think just getting into her first quarterfinal of a slam she looked really good against Angebur. Yeah. So I'm going to call an Ash versus Sabalenka final. Um, of course we want Ash to win. <laughs> of course, yes, and I'm going to hate it to be uh, put my hand up and say go Ash. Yep. Go Ash. What, when you play doubles with Ash, what's, um, what, what was a comment that helped her play better? What, what was some of the, you know, you certainly steered that with her and um, played some awesome matches representing our, our country. What, what's some of the one-liners you might use? Um, 
oh, they were all of the, a lot of them were not tennis specific, to be honest with you. Um, most of the time when I use the word fun, I think of Ash because we had so much fun on the court. Yeah. And I genuinely yeah. believe that that's why we had so much success was because of the fact that we had this beautiful, fun relationship where we could be honest and open with each other. And we did that. And I think that's why we had so much respect. So when often I remember a match clearly at Wimbledon um, where we were you know, both not on our game, but we would just talk about what we were going to have for dinner that night um, or just little things that would make it seem just to put the match in perspective because I think you can really get caught up in that moment but um, and that often got us through a lot of matches by just having fun or say, you know what, we're just going to chip and we're going to charge the net just for fun. But yeah. it would end up it would end up paying off. So yeah. Yeah. Um, little things like that were always great. Yeah, the plan the plan B. You've always got to have a plan B, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Who who's the best coach that you've ever had experienced? Um, definitely Stinger, who yeah. I mentioned earlier in this um, chat. Uh, Shannon Nettle. He just uh, I think we had a, a really strong connection. But I think for me, it was about seeing the bigger picture. And I think when you are a coach. Um, that relationship that you create with your player is is the biggest thing in the end of it. And mm. I think he just, we had great, we had similar values. We had similar morals in the sense of how we um, would go about the way that we did things. And he got the best out of me and he mm-hmm. did it in a way that um, it was almost the onus was on me, but he just guided me through that process. And I, yeah. I think that's a really wonderful thing because I know I'm 36 years of age. He was with me for, you know, a lot of my influential years and he just did an amazing job to make me Casey, the tennis player, but also this happy Casey off the court. And mm-hmm. it's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, would, yeah. would you coach your kids? <laughs> I get asked this question all the time now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I um, Yes, I would if they have um, that urge to want to play tennis. Of course yeah. I would. Yeah. I would um, I would love to get out on court with him. My seven-year-old boy, he likes to play. He enjoys um, getting the racket in his hand. My other two are a little bit young. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. if they if they find that um, passion for tennis, yeah. I, I yeah. would love to help them through yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly ooze plenty of passion. Um, we love listening to you commentate and thank you for everything you're doing uh, back home in us for Australian tennis and you're, you're, you're a true beaut, Casey Delacqua. Thank Thanks. you so much for you. No being worries. on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to give it a rating and a review on your podcast listening device.